Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Essentials, Foundations of Christianity. I'd been saved for about two and a half years, walking with Jesus, legitimately walking with Christ. Uh, I came to faith in October of 1985, and this was probably August of 1988. So I was almost three years into this faith journey. And I was at my, uh, my grandmother and my grandfather's house, my Papa Cash and Granny Cash is what I called them. My Papa Cash had a second grade education. He was poor. They lived on the Mill Village pretty much all uh, of, of my life remembering them. And they were just, they were straight dirt poor people. My grandmother, Barbara, had met both of them. My granny had a fourth grade education. She had one tooth right here. Uh, she dipped powdered snuff pretty much until the day she died. And uh, just poor people. Just straight up poor. And my pops was not a follower of Christ for many years. Uh, he didn't come to know the Lord until he was almost 40 years old. And my dad would tell me stories about his dad, how he would pretty much drink away most of the money that he made and how he would gamble away what little was left over. So when my dad came on the scene and started growing, my dad was the oldest of six kids. My dad quit school uh, after the eighth grade, not because he really wanted to, but because of the cards that he was dealt. He started doing drywall work when he was 15 years old, and my dad did drywall work until he couldn't really work anymore. So that's a little bit of the portfolio. I'm at my papa's house. He comes to faith in Christ uh, again around the age of 40, second grade education. He told me that he would go out into the woods. He built this little rock altar. He would fall on his knees, and he was begging God, teach me how to read. He didn't know how to read. He was illiterate. God started teaching him how to read. Some people came alongside, helped him learn how to read. Here's his story. So I'm sitting there, August 1988, and I looked at my papa. And I said, Paul, I said, I've really been praying through this. I've surrendered my life to Christ. I've been walking with Jesus now almost three years. And I feel like God is calling me to full-time ministry to take the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world, utilizing the platform of baseball. And I'll never forget the old man, false teeth, just uh, broke down in life at that age of, of where he was. He would die just a few years later. But he just started bawling his eyes out. And I looked at him and I said, why are you crying? And he just kept sobbing and wiping tears. And he said, son, for the last 20 years of my life, I started praying that God would raise up one in my family whether it be a son, whether it be a daughter, whether it be a grandchild. And he said, I have prayed that God would raise up one that would be a soul winner. He said, Proverbs 11.30 says that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. And I hugged the old man, and he said, son, there's nothing you could do that would make Paul's heart any more happy than to know that I've got a grandson who is a soul winner for Jesus. It impacted me. Sometimes we kind of forget where we came from. Sometimes we forget what we got rescu uh, rescued out of. And, and sometimes I think we have never been taught or we just forget what we got saved to. What did you get saved to? So the Lord speaks, and Luke, who writes the book of Acts, pins it. And he says this right out of the gate in Acts chapter 1. 
He says, you will receive power. Who's he talking to? Those who have repented, those who have confessed Christ, those who have believed. You will receive power. Some translations, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. How was the Holy Spirit going to come upon them? Through faith and repentance. We would turn from our sin. We would place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit is about to be poured out at Pentecost. Many have believed, but the Holy Spirit has not been given. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I go away, I will send the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit. Now the Holy Spirit is about to be poured out 50 days after death, burial, and resurrection. And he said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness. Write it down. You shall be my witness. Now, let me pause. We went from sweating to freezing in this worship center in about five minutes. So who's ever in charge of the thermostat? We need to get it somewhere closer back to where it was because <laughs> Barb has hot flashes. She said, turn it down, Alan. Dustin was up here getting cold saying, turn it up. So somewhere in between, I was sitting and the truth might uh, help us out, brother. I could see Danny reaching for his jacket. Amber's teeth was starting to chatter. And I was like, somewhere something happened. Now, here, listen to me. Y'all felt it, right? I'm standing right underneath the vent. I'm like, I went from a sauna to face-off. I'm like, oh, somebody's going to drop a puck up here in a minute. I'm, I need to be on skates or something. Something happened. But Alan was only doing what, anyway, Alan, I live with Barb, windows open when it's 28, ceiling fan on, I, I don't know. She always tells me I can add more clothes. <laughs> All right, so back to the text. Anybody got a jacket? I'm about to start doing jumping jacks to crease and blood flow up here. All right, but here's what I want you to hear. I do want you to get this loud and clear. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you trust Jesus Christ and you've repented, God gives you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, when he comes inside, the Holy Spirit is the same Spirit that lived inside of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. The same power, Holy Spirit, that lived inside of Christ now lives inside of me as a believer. That Spirit gives power. The power to resist temptation, the power to honor the Father. You will receive power, dunamis, dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Listen, listen, listen. And you shall be my witnesses. This is a missing concept in a lot of evangelical circles. We treat this text as if it's an option. You shall be my witness. When? When you've repented and you receive the Holy Spirit. You shall be. He didn't say take a spiritual gift test to see if evangelism is one of your gifts. This is not a spiritual gift statement. This is a spiritual command statement. Who's to be witnessing? Every person that claims to be born again, regenerated, that knows Christ. Everybody, 
Everybody is to be sharing what Christ has done in your life. You shall be my witnesses. Now, let me take the pressure off of you. You're to be a witness, not a lawyer. A witness talks about, this is what's happened to me. A lawyer, well, let me defend the entire claims of who God is. When I first came to faith in Christ, October of 85, I believed that God had called me to be a witness, not a lawyer. I, I couldn't articulate the arguments of Genesis through Revelation. Didn't know them. But I knew what Jesus had done to me. I'll never forget, we had finished a game one evening. We were getting ready to take an eight-day road trip back in double-A baseball at that time. Everywhere we went, we, we rode a bus. And we're about to get on the bus. It's about 11.30, 11.40 at night. We showered up, got our bags packed. We're heading out. We got to go play four in Knoxville. That was the Blue Jays at the time. And then we were shooting over to Memphis to play the Royals, the double-A affiliate for Kansas City. And... Charlie Taylor was our pitching coach. Charlie was from Kentucky. Uh, I'd met Charlie back in 1985. I'd been with Charlie in 85. Throughout the season of 85, I was a pagan. I lived like a very lost pagan. October of 85, I come to faith in Christ. 86, I go back to play ball, and I'm radically changed. Charlie's wife comes up to me right before we get on the bus. They had three little girls. And she looked at me, and she said, Tim... I don't know what all has happened to you, but Charlie has been saying something radically has happened in your life. I've been praying for Charlie. I love Jesus. I'm taking my girls to church. Charlie don't know Jesus. Tim, is there any way on this trip you can share with Charlie? I said, I've been talking to Charlie. And she goes, I know. But is there any way you can just sit down with him and just get more one-on-one -on -one with him? And I said, you got it. So we take this bus ride up and Two or three days into this road trip, Charlie and I set up a time, and he comes into my hotel room, and I said, Charlie, where are you at in your journey? Where are you really at? And he goes, Tim, what happened to you? How can there be such a radical change? And I laid out all that I knew. Charlie begins to bawl his eyes out, and he says, I want to know this Jesus. I wasn't a lawyer. I didn't know how to defend apologetics and eschatology and hermeneutics and homiletics and all of this theological stuff that I would later learn. But I knew how to talk about how I had met Jesus and what Jesus had done in my life. The notes that you'll find online with this message today, it will give you a four-part just simple approach to creation uh, how it began for you, the fall, where things kind of got sideways, redemption, how Christ changed you, and now regeneration. What is he doing in your life now? The, 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 the guide is there to coach you up into how to share your faith. Here's what I know. We always talk about what we value. We always discuss and disclose what's important to us. All of us do. It doesn't take long to know what is most important to an individual when you're just sitting around, whether you're having a cup of coffee with them, whether you're talking to them about whatever. You talk about what you value. You talk about what's most important. Here's what I would say. 
all Christians are commanded to witness. The word witness that you'll find in the Greek is also the word martyr, which means some will be martyred for their faith. You will be my martyrs and my witnesses. All of us are to be actively involved in sharing our faith. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. All of us are. Here's what I know. The message is the same. The methodology may be different. You've got to realize how God's wired you. The methods that you use are going to be different than the methods maybe that I use, Dustin, Patrick, Barb, whoever, but the message is to be shared. Methodology, trust the Holy Spirit. The what, defined. The how, subjective. Jesus told the disciples, I am sending you. Who sent you out to share Christ, Tim? Jesus. Who's in charge? Uh, Jesus. Who are you representing? Representing is the word representing. Who are you representing? Jesus. Who rescued you from the domain of darkness, Tim? Jesus. Who changed you? Jesus. Who's changing your perspective every day? Really, Jesus, the Holy Spirit's changing me every day. When you witness, what are you talking about? I'm just talking about what I've experienced. Can you do that? You can only do it if you've got an experience with Christ. You can only do it if you've encountered Christ. You can't talk about someone else's experience. You can only talk about what you have experienced if you're going to be a legit witness. Dustin and Patrick are going to join me in this conversation. But we're told in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, to sanctify Christ. Set Jesus Christ apart as Lord in your life. And we're told in 1 Peter... Always be ready, always be ready to give an answer or to make a defense for the hope that you have inside of you. Sanctify Christ, go into all the world, make disciples. You're to be my witnesses no matter where you're at. Sanctify Jesus as Lord in your life. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. And then he goes on to say, do it with incredible gentleness on the horizontal, an incredible reverence on the vertical. Patrick, tell us your story, man. What happened to you and how God has led you to becoming a witness, brother? All right, so my name is Patrick Newton. For those of you that don't know me, uh, I surrendered my life to Christ in 2013 while deployed to Afghanistan. And after this Radical encounter with God, right? I look to God, I say, well, what's next? He said, I want you to start a Bible study and share your faith with the men you're there. I said, God, why me? I literally just came to faith and you're asking me to share something that I don't even fully understand and I just got. So I look and I, I, I reach out to Tim and I tell him what's going on. And he immediately starts exchanging emails with me. He starts discipling me and mentoring me. Now I get home and I start going to Bible college. 
I start interning here. I eventually become staff. And then God leads my family to become missionaries in Mexico full time. And in September, we found ourselves back in Loganville due to some health issues with my daughter. And again, I looked at God. I said, well, God, well, what's next? And he said, I want you to feed my sheep. And so we start going to Atlanta. We start feeding people. We start loving on people. And we just start sharing the love of Christ with people. And about a week or so ago, Tim tells me, he says, Patrick, I want you to share your story, but I want you to share your why. I want you to share your what. So I start praying, what is my why? And the word ecclesia comes to me. And if you've been in this church, you've probably heard the term ecclesia used. It's found in Matthew 16, 18. When Jesus is talking about his church, he uses this word ecclesia, which means a body of believers. Now, when you look at the definition, you'll see that it's, a, it's a, a compound word, which means it's derived from the preposition ek and the verb kaleo. Ek, which means to a point of origin, to call out, and a verb, which means to go out. So as the church, that's what, we're do, that's what Jesus calls us to do. He calls us out. Jesus said, come and follow me. He didn't say, come and have a seat. And because, like Tim was saying, we've been given this power of the Holy Spirit, he doesn't say, go and share your faith by yourself. He says, go and share your faith, and I'm going to give you a helper so that you can be my witness. And because I've been given this as a disciple of Christ, I don't want to be like the, the, the servant in the parable where when he was given a talent by his master, instead of going out and doing something with it, he buried it and hid it. So my what, the, the ministry that I have, and what you can say is, Patrick, well, you're a missionary, right? You're supposed to share your faith, right? Not, not all of us are called to be missionaries, and that's right. I am a missionary, and not every one of us are called to be missionaries, but every one of us are called to a mission. Every one of us are called to a ministry, the ministry he has called me with is to take the church into the streets and to feed his sheep. To love on the least of these. Because Jesus says, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And I don't take people out to get people involved in street ministry because I think that's the end all be all. I take people out with me because I want to see them come alive. I want to see you come to get on fire for Christ, but I want to see you inspired to look to God and say, God, what is my ministry that you have set aside for me? And for you to say, God, what's next? So that is my challenge to everyone. What is your story? Right? What is your ministry? And what's next? Dustin. So on my journey, it became real when it was more than my mama and daddy's faith. It became real when it was more than just what I grew up learning in church. It became real when God spoke in my heart and said, your mom and daddy's faith will not get you to me. Going to church will not get you to me. 
In fact, continue doing what you're doing, and you will continue to be miserable. I'll continue to pursue you because I love you that much. And when I surrendered, I surrendered. When I surrendered, I began to walk with Christ, but I still struggled with figuring out how to know him. Nobody walked alongside of me. Nobody discipled me. Luckily, about a year later, a guy came alongside of me, and he began to pour into me, began to invest in me, began to share with me what it looks like to live your life for Christ. And it was during that time I, I came across 2 Corinthians 2 and 14 where it talks about that we are a triumphal procession. To some, we are a, a, a sweet aroma of Christ, but to others, we are the sour stench of death. And it began to hit me that unfortunately, the American church thinks that witnessing and the American church thinks that sharing Christ with others unintentionally the American church thinks that just helps somebody to have a good life to make it better. The truth is, when I realized that's what I thought when I share Christ with somebody, it just helps them to have a better life. When God hit me and said, when you refuse to share Christ with someone, it's life or death. It's real. Do I love this person enough do I care about this person enough to share with them something that will save their life? Do I love them and care about them enough to say, here's what happened to me. Here's the truth of God's word. And when I began to see and I began to realize that the conversation was so easy to have, that the conversation was, was easy to be able to share my story. It was easy to be able to say, what's your story? It opened the doors when I, when I realized that and that if I didn't, it could cost them everything. Not here in their physical life, but when they pass away, what will happen? That it was death, an eternal death, damnation in a real place called hell where they're separated from God and they'll never have the love. And when I realized that if I refused to open my mouth to people that I either just met or that I cared dearly for, that they could be condemned to hell because I was unwilling to be uncomfortable a little bit. Coach Lou Little shares a story of a young man that played for him. He was a famous football coach. Had an average player, an average talent level, second streamer at best. Played for him for a couple of years, and, and as he came in one week, he noticed the young man a little bit down. The young man came to him and said, if I could have your permission, Coach, I'd like to miss two days of practice. My father has passed away. Coach Little said, yeah, no problem. Go back to be with your family and, and do the funeral and everything. The young man showed up on game day that Saturday, and he walked up to Coach Little, and he said, 
if you would grant me one request. I normally get to play a couple of plays a game. Would you consider allowing me to start today's game? The coach thought about it for a second and said, this young man's gone through a lot. You know, he's, he's average at best. I'm, I'm going to – I'll give him this request because he's worked hard and he's done what we've asked him to do. And he told the young man, yeah, hey, I'll, I'll start you the first series and we'll see what happens from there. Coach Little said that when the young man went out and the play started, he, he, he said the, guy, the kid played phenomenal. He said he ended up playing the entire game. He said he made plays that even his best athletes could not make. He did things that were way above average. And as he saw and he noticed this young man playing, he, he just played at the absolute next level. And Coach Little, after the game, walked up to the young man and said, what, what happened? How, how did you play at this level that, that I've never seen you play at? The young man looked at him and said, I don't know if you realize, but my father was blind. Every time that I would come in, you would see me walking with him arm in arm. I would walk him around and tell him about the stadium we were playing in. I would describe the scene, and I would, I would tell him all these things. Coach Little said that he admitted that he'd seen him walking his father around, but just thought they had a close relationship. The young man turned and looked at him and said, Today I played. Because for the very first time in my life, my father saw me play. And in my life, I realized that I have a heavenly father who is looking down and watching. But not only watching, but giving me the ability through his Holy Spirit to do what he has commanded me to do. Not gifted me to do. Evangelism is not a gift. It's a command. We're commanded to share our story. He tells us. I had somebody that told me, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Well, do you really truly have the Holy Spirit at all? Do you really truly have a relationship with Christ? Where are you at in your journey? Challenge you. Share your story. We're going to show a video in just a second of just how easy it is to be able to share your story. We challenged people a week and a half ago to share their story, 20-second story. From that, I've had no less than five people come up to me and say, because of the video that I posted, I've had multiple people who have reached out to me, reached out to me and wanted to have and further the conversation and to learn more and to talk about the gospel. Check out these stories. I want to share a 20-second story. Here's my short testimony. So here's my story. This is my 20-second story. Grew up in a Christian home, learned the Word of God and all the Christian lingo, but never really embraced Christ with all of my heart. I was a cocaine-addicted, drug-abusing, alcohol-abusing, womanizing criminal. I would look up at the ceiling at night when I lived in Vegas, and I would wonder, is this what life is all about? I spent much of my young adulthood lost, broken, and angry. There was a time in my life where I did things my way. 
and only my way, and expecting a different outcome each time, even though the outcome was always the same. Emptiness, loneliness, and frustration. I realized I was just putting on a face, but I didn't actually embrace Christ. My cousin Sal told me about Jesus Christ, that he loved me, that he died in my place. He would forgive me all my sin, cleanse my conscience of guilt and shame if I would repent, if I would turn to him. It wasn't until the birth of my first son that I felt God's call on my heart, and with the help of my dear friend, Wendy Binion, uh, she walked with me uh, in my quest for truth. Then in February of 2015, I made the choice to drive the stake in the ground and give my life completely to Christ. And when I said that prayer, and I meant it with all my heart, the Holy Spirit came upon my life and knocked me to the ground. I woke up the next morning and I woke up in God's peace. Since that time, we've had two very dark trials in our lives. And without Christ in my life, I couldn't have gotten through those trials. After surrender, my life became meaningful, fulfilling, freeing, and peaceful. And given me purpose and hope and meaning, even in the darkness that life uh, brings my way. All my fears, my drug addiction, my alcohol abuse, my womanizing, gone, made celibate, and called me into the ministry. My life is extremely blessed. Not because of anything I've done, not because of anything I am, because if there's anything good in me, it's because Jesus Christ has changed me. And ever since, I'm just wrapped in love and grace and, and the knowledge that uh, I have a Savior, and He is Christ. I just wanted to share that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my 22nd story. God bless you. To see Jeff, to see Spencer, to see... Esposito, so many of you have, have posted your story, and you can share your story. It's very easy to do, I promise you. Next week, I'm going to do something that will probably make me weep as we continue this thing, but my son Jesse shares his story wherever, and when I asked him, I said, Jesse, would you take part with me and Benji, and just talking about how you go about sharing? He just turned 19. He's like, I've never been in front of people. But Mandy, y'all know he shares his story. And Kim, you know he shares his story. And I'm like, let's talk about how you do it. Patrick, compelling, brother. I remember about six years ago. Seriously. You and Melanie, Melanie walked up here. You were not even walking with Jesus. I don't even know who you were walking with, but you were a lost pagan that was a Gwinnett County cop that was just... You were hard, just a hardcore dude. And Me Melanie, I remember you kind of lingered and you said, would you pray for us today? And I said, sure, what do, what do you want prayer for? My husband's leaving tomorrow and he's going to be gone for at least a year to Afghanistan. I'm like, really? And she was pregnant with number four and you were only 16. It blew me, no. <laughs> but she was so young and I'm like, Wow. And then a few months later when Patrick sent me a note via email saying, I've got to get my life right. I'm surrendering to Christ. I'm like, no way. I knew that girl had been praying. So many people have been praying for him. And to see the boldness that he has now, five and a half years later, I got to tell him a story. Are you compelled to tell your story? Do me a favor. Grab a little insert. There's a place right there that says, who will you share the good news of the gospel with? 
There, there's four spots. You can add 40 if you want. Who are you praying for right now to share your story with? I mean, once you go Facebook, social media, whatever flavor you're using, and you post it out there, it's like sweet. All right, now it's just kind of a, a proclamation to whoever happens to see it. But we're talking about being intentional. Hey, I want to sit down and talk to you. I want to spend some time one-on-one -on -one talking to you. Who are the four people? I'll give you four. Don't take it lightly. You shall be. Don't pray about it. Don't justify why you're not. Don't claim that you don't know enough. Have you met Jesus and is Christ working in your life? You shall be my witness. I'm going to start praying for these four people, and I am going to set up a time to share my story with these people. It can be an, a person that's an A, they're apathetic towards spiritual things. Maybe they're a B, they're becoming interested, but they haven't surrendered yet. Maybe they're a, a C, they confess Christ, but they're carnal, and they're not engaged at all. They've got some type of profession con confession going on, but there's no possession going on. Ah, they're lost. Biblically, they're lost. Who are you going to share with? Every person under my voice, I challenge you, take the challenge. Who are you going to invite to come to church with you? Who are you going to invite to be a part of your small group? I want to reach you, and then I'm going to put my arm around you and say, come on. I want you to be a part of what we're doing. Teresa's leading worship today. Nick and Lisa are in California. Nick's brother, I think Lisa's one of 10 kids, but Lisa's brother lived with them for a while. When he was about 13, the family was all jacked up, and Nick and Lisa had been married only for a few months, and Nick goes, we'll take Wade. And, and he lived there for quite a while. And Nick became almost an older brother dad immediately. Well, Wade, fast forward till now, got married, and Wade and his wife had their first baby, and Lisa's like, I'm going to California to see that baby. Teresa and Drew started coming to church here. Teresa's up here leading worship today. Locked in. Her husband Drew's up there with Steve right now doing a dollars and cents financial freedom class. When you see how God has worked in their lives, it's next man up. Richard, it's next man up, brother. I'm willing to stand in the gap. I'm willing... Your ability to articulate and proclaim, Patrick, is crazy. I told you that a couple years ago when you made the great observation on a Sunday morning that God is smarter than Patrick. It's a great revelation, but your, your ability to articulate was great. Next man up. Next man up. Where are you serving? Who are you sharing your story with? And where are you willing to stand in the gap? Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. I encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrosslogansville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website, we have old messages and archived series. So you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring. If you have any questions, you can contact us via the web 
or you could call us at the church at 770-554-3322. Thanks again for watching.